0: Hello and welcome to part 6 of 20 Years On, the series where we look back at Hong Kong's highs and lows since July the 1st, 1997. I'm Anna Fenton, and this week... We check out the evolution of Kwai Fong, Soho and beyond. Yes, those entertainment areas where Hong Kong kicks up its heels when the sun goes down. We hear how an influx of 7-Elevens peddling cheap booze has lowered the tone in Kwai Fong, resulting in shotgunning or binge drinking, especially by young people. But it's not just a rash of convenience stores that's taken the shine off the Fong in recent years. Blatant drug dealing has dogged the area. And though a sustained clean-up attempt by police has seen scores of pushers jailed, we learn how these suppliers are often Form 8 asylum seekers, struggling to survive any way they can while their applications take years to be processed. But we also hear that change is afoot, with new laws curbing alcohol sales to under-18s coming soon. I caught up with former SCMP Entertainment Editor Matt Scott in the FCC,
1: Lan Kwai Fong, in those days, it was a pretty. It was an eye-opening experience for a young man. <laughs> if I think so. In many ways, you could you could you could feel that it was an international destination. Uh, there were many and varied bars and clubs that you could go to. That, I mean, anyone that passed through town was drawn into them. There was. Establishments like 97 that would the, the, the pop stars and the rock stars would always end up, or George used to go there. Local guys like Leslie Chung used to drink there. So you could see real celebrities there. Yeah, and, and, and the thing was that it, in those days it was a club where people were just people. You know, you would gawk at them and stuff, but you were allowed in, you could get in. But you know, I can't, I can't remember ever being refused, and I was a bit rough and ready in those days, so it, it was pretty easy. And then you had bars like the Jazz Club. I remember the great British bluesman Terry Reid used to play there and stuff and we could go there after after work and, and sit around and, and, and listen to that. And it was, a real, it was a real venue, like a massive venue in itself and an experience going there. And I think in those days that's what led to that phenomenon of, of tourists starting to go there, especially from the mainland who in those days had first started coming to Hong Kong. You know, when when, when the gates were sort of opened a bit they would come and, and, and just as an experience to say this is where the world sort of parties and in those days in, in, in China it had still not yet opened up to a to, to a destination like, like that was, so it's changed quite a bit hasn't it over the years?
0: It has so what for you marks the greatest changes for me it's it's perhaps a bit of a loss of glamour, would you agree with that?
1: I do I do, I do. there's a num- number of reasons for that I think uh, obviously people go on about Club 7-Eleven sort of bookending the street now yes we've got six of them yeah yeah, and, and, and bringing that sort of something that's sort of not very glamorous is it a bunch of kids getting hammered on the street you know good luck to them I mean, I mean when I was a kid that would have been like a godsend to be able to circumvent laws so easily we had to do it all in subterfuge and fake IDs and stuff but now it's quite open that they're doing it. And, and it sort of t- became a bit rougher, I think, the reconstruction of it, the, the, the idea that they, you know, that sort of congenital disease Hong Kong has about, you know, changing things for change's sake in many, in, in many ways. The redevelopment of it sort of moved people away into Soho, Staunton, Noho and now and now West and, and, and Kennedy Town because it was a construction site. It still in many ways is... You were talking about Alan Zeman's big tower. Yeah, and the big tower sort of, it sort of sucked the life out of it, didn't it? It sort of, Mm. as it was going up, it was, people were like, it was a pain to get around. There were trucks and and, and rubbish, and and there still is uh, opposite it now. And now people are still wondering what that building is. I mean, there's some great bars in there, but, you know, there's also a work area. There's also, you know, a gym so, and going, in, going into a tower block doesn't have the same feeling, does it? As no. exploring what's in the bar next door or, or meeting people and saying, oh, let's go over there and, and, and check out that place or, you know. Yeah. It just doesn't have the same feel.
0: No, and you can't people watch in the same no. way.
1: No, and, all, yeah, yeah, that was part of it, wasn't it? You yeah, remember Oscars, uh, when that started spewing people out onto mm. the street and, and, you know, yeah, I hate to to sound like a remember those days but it was a very different feel and also it was caught up in that in that emergence of Hong Kong and, and that era of waiting for history to happen priest 97 you know that a lot of people, the, the British backpackers were coming through and being able to work were all partying, a lot of backpackers would come they would make their money here they would go and spend it and they would come back and work with friends and there was this whole huge community of people sort of gliding through town and as Hong Kong has matured in a way, the area has matured too because it's trying to, you know, feed the beast and and follow trends. And the trends now are for smaller, smaller bars, not clubs, of course. Uh, and that's what you're seeing in Langkai from more so now. But there's not that community, that mad sense of community feeling that it had you know 20 years ago
0: yeah yeah so what other areas would you choose to hang out in now
1: gee I'm too old to hang out anywhere now FCC (laughs) I have to say (laughs) (laughs) no well I think I think I think Kennedy Town is interesting because because that's a lot of younger bars and and, you know following trends from places like New York uh, even Paris in a way because there's a hell of a lot of French around town now there are yeah uh other areas gee i think i think well now soho has established itself in those in those days to soho was still a, a trek to get up the people didn't want to walk up that you know 500 meters yeah. up the hill people really didn't want to leave lang Fung, but now people will go there initially i mean remember when bars like phoebe opened and places like that even the feather Bow, which is still going i remember the feather Bow opening up and people thinking that will never be a success because it's at the arse end of Staunton Street, mm. and now you can't, you, need, you know, you have to line up for two hours to get in. Say hello to Stella, don't you? So,
0: how does somewhere like Hooters fit in?
1: Now, this is a fascinating thing, isn't it? I was recently in Singapore, and the Hooters down at Clark Quay there is packed every day full of tourists and punters. And in Hong Kong, I think it's this weird situation. It's actually got good food and it's a nice bar but there's this social stigma about being an old pervert if you go in there and drink, isn't there? So you can see people, people in other parts of the world have long got over that. Okay, there's scantily clad women in there, but it's just a bar like any other. But in Hong Kong, you know, with our sort of Catholic-led bureaucracy, you <laughs> know, born-again Catholics ruling the city, it's sort of like it's a dirty little secret that you walk past and you're not allowed to look into. I certainly hope it does uh, succeed because we need sports bars, don't we?
0: matt scott next i caught up with restaurateur and bar operator richard feldman who laid the blame for lang Kwai fong's late night slide into sleaze fairly and squarely at the foot of 7-eleven's parent company dairy farm and as for those pesky drug dealers he said they're now targeting youngsters or anyone too young to be mistaken for an undercover cop
2: I think it's really changed a lot from what it used to be, because when I first got here, which is now 28 years ago, there was really only Kwai Fung for people to feel like they could have a night out, total freedom, relax, have a drink in a very safe and friendly environment that encouraged a lot of international visitors as well as Hong Kong locals. And it was a very young and exciting time, I think, for Kwai Fung. And of course, throughout the 28 years, there's been highs and lows in the area. But what I think is best about Lan Kwai Fung and Soho now is that it constantly renews itself. There are periods where it gets stale and it needs a fresh look or new outlets. And it always seems to be able to do that. Recently, I'm more concerned is since the introduction of the 7-Elevens in Langbaifong.
0: Tell me about that, because we are up to six or seven now in that immediate vicinity. What's going on there? Correct.
2: I think think it's out of control. They do not require a liquor license, so there's very little for them to answer to about their conduct or their behavior. They do sell to minors. They say they don't, but everybody knows on the street that they do. And it's attracted uh, drug dealers in the area. Um, not in the venues. So the venues themselves are still fun and great, but you do have to wade through some pretty um, uh, unpleasant experiences some nights there because you clearly see that there are drug dealers targeting teenagers or people who could not possibly be a police officer, and sadly that means the young people.
0: Mm, mm, no the drug dealers, uh, I've covered many court cases with those very same drug dealers, and yes, that is what they are doing, and the police have had a lot of successes, but is it the case now that the street drug dealing has gone back into the bars again? That's no, why-
2: I don't think, very honestly, I've never ever, ever seen it or witnessed it in the bars, um, but I... I've never ever seen that. That's never been a problem for us. And I think one of the reasons is is because we're licensed establishments. Right. So there's a recourse. If that did happen, the police would be on it and you'd lose your liquor license. I don't think there's drug dealing at 7-Eleven, but I think it attracts underage drinking. Yeah. And the point I'm making about the target of the drugs is is that the drug dealers are scared about police or undercover cops. And one thing they know for sure is that if the person is minor, they couldn't possibly be a policeman or an undercover cop. And so what's safer target than to target the young?
0: I see, I see. Now, it's to my memory, it used to be a harmless, fun place to go, and you'd let your 16-year-old out without a second thought. Now, I don't think that's the case. But more than that, it's dirty and smelly, and there's form it and you're in and all this stuff late at
2: night. <laughs> I think it's really because of the 7-Eleven. If you go into the venues, they're great, they're safe. I would have no problem at all having dinner there, friends there, invite young people there. I don't think there's any danger in Life by Fun as such. But I do agree that the 7-Eleven, that people litter a lot, they throw the bottles out because there's really one very small trash can and they go through so much volume. Whereas for licensed premises, and 7-Eleven is not a licensed premises, we have requirements for kitchens, for toilets, for everything else of that nature. There's no toilet in a 7-Eleven, they have none of the requirements that we have to make sure that we run a safe and clean outlet.
0: (laughs) But they supply a bottle opener on a long chain.
2: Yeah, I mean, they supply shots, they supply wine by the glass, they supply champagne by the glass. Uh, It's it's completely out of control, and I personally think it's shameful on the part of Dairy Farm. I I think in all my experiences, I would feel very comfortable to say they're the worst corporate citizen I've ever met in Hong Kong.
0: Is Dairy Farm...
2: Dairy Farm, yeah.
0: Indeed. So take us back up around Soho. How has that area changed? Because that was largely residential 20 years ago.
2: Yeah, I think that's also very exciting. I mean, I'm still very excited about Leng Kwaifeng and still go there very regularly and have great meals there. It's fantastic food. Soho is more of a neighborhood for residents, I would say. And obviously the liquor licenses closed earlier, so it's more of a dinner place. And Kwai Kwaifeng is more of a late night dancing and drinking place. Uh, but it's really a lot of fun. I mean, I'm there every day. I'm in both Lang Kwai and Soho every day. And I love it. I find it very comfortable. I feel it's a little bit of a taste of a local neighborhood in Manhattan here in Hong Kong.
0: Great, great. So what's the crowd then? Is it young people? Is it locals? Is it curious all, mainlanders?
2: You know, it really is interesting. You, occasionally you see tourists. Tourists really frequent Lang Kwai more than they do Soho. It really is the people who work in Central on their way home to mid-levels, stopping off for a, a, din- a drink or a dinner in Soho, and maybe inviting some friends to join them.
0: I see. Now, th- we've, we've lost a lot of bars over 20 years. Just just remind us which ones have gone in that time.
2: Oh, my God. Uh, California, 97. Uh, uh, so many bars Yeltsin. in Yeltsin. Yeah, Yeltsin. Oh, my God. Oh, and Scotty's. The,
0: the- Dublin Jack. Yes,
2: that's right. And and maybe even now Carnegie's and Wanchai it's a different area. But really some very famous bars are
0: Well down there, Amazon Me. The yeah, ladies. yeah, yeah.
2: I think I think that's a healthy thing. I don't think that's a negative. I think that's a very positive thing in the oh. sense that people want something new and fresh and, and uh I, for me it's exciting when a new venue comes on. It's also exciting when an old establishment has longevity, because I, I think it anchors the street, So it's familiar to people who come back and visit, and at the same time, there's something new and exciting. So
0: how much are the, la- the greedy landlords to blame for the quick turnover of, of hostelries?
2: I don't think so much. I know that's going to come as a shock. And of course, everybody wants lower rents. But Alan, obviously, is the dominant landlord. And that's Alan Zeman. Zeman, Alan Zeman. And he is by far the nicest landlord you could ever have. And so, because he is very fair about his increments, I think it sets a tone on the street about what's what works and what doesn't. There are always new landlords coming in and realizing the hard way that it doesn't make sense to double the rent because even if you do get a tenant, they can't survive on that basis. Um, so I don't think it's that. Where I, where again, I mean, I'm not trying to kind of target 7-Eleven, but. The biggest threat to the businesses in the area is 7-Eleven because mm-hmm. there's no way a restaurant can pay the kind of rents they're expected to pay in Langley Kui Fong and at the same time compete with someone who has zero of the requirements that the restaurants need to meet the licensing conditions set by the Liquor Licensing Board.
0: So if we were to say beer for beer, how much is a beer in 7-Eleven compared oh, to one in a bar? Oh, it's a huge difference.
2: It's a huge difference. It's under $20 at 7-Eleven, uh, even sometimes $12 for a very, very large can. Um, and in most restaurants, it's over 50 Wow. So it's a big difference.
0: So what do people do? They tank up at 7-Eleven and then go into a bar? That's
2: my biggest fear. That is actually my biggest fear, because I've worked uh, in university and in, and in Hong Kong with uh, um, support groups that deal with uh, people who are dealing with uh, substance abuse. And typically what happens is people shotgun the liquor very quickly. They drink two or three big cans of beer or shots at 7-Eleven so that they can enter a bar not drink in the bar and dance the night away, but that's really kind of taking on a very large amount of alcohol at one time. Uh, That really does worry me. It sets up a relationship with alcohol that is uh, not a healthy one. I don't think on that particular night there may be a problem, but I think if that's the way you consider alcohol... And that's the way you relate to alcohol. I think it's going to set up long-term problems for those individuals in, in the future.
0: Richard Feldman. Now, you might think accusations of selling alcohol to minors and being, quote, the worst corporate citizen in Hong Kong would spur Dairy Farm into defending themselves. But no, not even a no comment greeted my invitation to come on this program. Mark Ford McNichol recently retired as a senior officer in the Hong Kong Police, although he oversaw the recent anti-drugs drive in Kwai Fong and Soho. He thought we might be looking back at 1997 with somewhat rose-tinted spectacles. Crime-wise, little has changed since 97, he said, as the rain poured down.
3: Sort of focusing on 20 years ago and what it was like in Lankwai Fong, Lan Chai. Soho wasn't really up and running by then it was started. Um, absolutely heaving. Parties, parties, parties on the run up to 97. And those areas were particularly busy hours with people out having a, a very good time. I mean, there's a lot of extra workers in from UK and other places building all the key infrastructure that's been put in by the Brits pre the handover. Um, so those entertainment centres I mean, let's face it, they're always busy but at that particular time uh, I was a hiatus, they were particularly busy and there was a lot going on
0: But it seemed to me that it was a more innocent era, that there wasn't the drug dealing, there wasn't nearly so many sex workers, or not obviously like there are now in Monshi What from a policing perspective has changed?
3: I would say that, that might be just looking back on history, slightly um, rose-tinted because we know full well, back in then actually, around 97, around that period, there was a lot of street violence. There was a lot of fisticuffs, a lot of fights, soldiers getting involved. Um, there was even um, a murder, as I remember, of my involving uh, military personnel.
0: British military, girl. yeah.
3: Um, there was a lot of fighting, a lot of um, stuff going on, a lot of crime, drugs was going on, uh, prostitution, um, sex workers. Well, going on in Wanchai, as they are now, possibly the perspectives changed in 20 years. And the sort of clientele has possibly changed slightly as well.
0: So if you had a 16-year-old daughter, would, would there be a difference in the way you would um, treat her now as to then in terms of where you'd let her go at no? night?
3: That's a very good question. I think overall, looking at law and order in Hong Kong, one thing, I think you speak to anybody that's been here for even a short period of time, they realize, comparing it to the rest of the world, UK, Europe, United States, this is a very safe city. And actually, 20 years ago, it was a very safe city. There's a lot of parties going on. There's drug activity, there's fighting, triad activity, um, prostitution. And that hasn't changed because there's a supply and demand. There's still demand for it today. But I would just say that the perspective about what type is going on is, is probably more to the point in 20 years. So there has been a change. Um, but actually, as far as having a 16 year old daughter, I would say she's probably as safe today as she was 20 years ago. I mean, the law and order situation then, I think, in Hong Kong has actually improved.
0: You wouldn't worry about. Um those guys in Lankwai trying to sell her drugs? I would be,
4: actually.
3: But then I would have been worried about it 20 years ago. Um, My kids are in their mid-20s now, so before that time, but if it was around then, I would have been. Um, But today... You go. I mean, one of the uh, issues we had in Central when I was, uh, was there was a big problem in Lang Phong and in Wan in of uh, Indians, Pakistanis, and uh, Africans, mainly Gambians, selling cocaine. And their objective, their main, their main clients would be uh, businessmen, um, guys up for a good time Friday night, Saturday, looking for a hit from designer drugs as well as alcohol and then going on to parties with, with that with that in their system and having a, a good time. Um, and that has, I would say, probably increased. low level trafficking is probably has been more prominent in recent years. We think we did a good job in Central and Wanshine curbing it, but when you become successful, what happens with criminals is they'll move into more sophisticated, more devious ways of carrying on supplying what the customers are after
0: yes I I believe they're now delivering their drugs by car now in in, uh, a great many cases yeah so if you looked at that situation evolving do you think that it's going to continue the way it is or is it going to suddenly get cleaned up
3: quick answer no I don't see quickly getting cleaned up the issue you have and we discussed this before it's the same as the rest of the world It's economic You've got people coming in from very, very poor parts of the world and looking to make money, to make a living, to get on in life. And that's what I would say, my, my sort of take, what was happening in Wan Chai and Leng Pong, either from the sex worker side of things, and that was back 20 plus years, nothing's changed there, to present day. And it's the same for the drug um, trafficking and the supply, as I say, or the demand for designing drugs and, and any other hard type of drugs, um, the, the guys you get doing it will be very low-level, sort of, uh, coming in. A lot of them are Form 8 holders.
0: That uh, means that they're seeking refugee status. Under the so UN
3: convention, yep, that's exactly the, the situation. And the problem we have with those uh, people is that once they've got that status, we cannot then Ship them out of Hong Kong. They're here on a permanent basis. They're in a, they're in a procedure should, which should move forward to them either getting uh, Hong Kong sort of residents or staying in Hong Kong longer because of that particular uh, Cabinet of Human Rights or being shipped out. But it, as I say, it's a very long process. In that process, these people, uh, our, our experience was they would be selling, not all of them obviously, but a high number would be selling drugs to make to make a living, to make money, to live. So hence, we had issues with uh, Indians ex that is and also the, the African guys doing this. And it was very blatant and very in-your-face. I mean, I can tell stories of senior police officers back in the politics bureau having a, a reunion, you know, one of the, I don't know, 20, 30-year reunion down in Lanshine. Senior officers, chief superintendents X, being offered a lovely board of board of designer drugs and hard drugs, what would you like? <laughs> and those guys being absolutely furious, because just off the road, of the in Wineshire, there's police headquarters, big shiny editors, where they used to work and here they are, down in Wineshire back, hoping that Hong Kong is as good and as it sort of uh, always was but Hong Kong has always been about making a buck
0: Former police officer Mark Ford McNichol. For the last word, I met up with Grant Baird, who has run scores of popular bars and restaurants. He had some good news for Lan Kwai Fong's exasperated bar owners, fed up with those Club 7 one as the 7-11s have become known.
4: I've just recently read that there's legislation going through the um, executive council here. Um, they're going to put a new law in um, and get rid of that previous colonial law where... Uh, kids under 10 or 12 or even 15 can legally walk into any, um, you know, die by don or, or 7-Eleven and buy alcohol, and basically walk out with it. The new law coming in will be, um, I do believe, you must be over 18, and um, anything under that, then you are totally you know, illegal. So how to enforce it? Yeah, there'll be a, there's going to be a lot of issues on that, but at least that takes away this 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 uh, long term. Old law where basically teenagers can could legally go into a Seven Eleven, buy a bottle of alcohol, pay for it, and technically work it, walk out with it, um, and we all know what happens next. They they open it, you know.
0: And that has been uh, that has been a bigger a big part in the change in Lang Kwai Fong. Now I think you'd say that the bar scene has spread out far and wide beyond Lang Lan Kwai Fong now to to new areas.
4: Well, yeah. Look, Anna, I I came in the nineties uh, to Hong Kong. I used to work for Jimmy's Kitchen and and i 've been you know I've been working in the bar business uh, there for, for you know for, for many years I mean Fong has evolved you know it used to be well of course we had the iconic uh, ninety seven group the california we had graffiti these were the the early ninety bars and then you know i've seen it grow i mean when i was when I was working there I opened up to, up to eight bars of various bars of their Epicurean group and It's really evolved. I mean, Alan opened his new California Tower.
0: That's Alan Zeman. Alan
4: Zeman, yes. He opened the new uh, California Tower. That brought a lot of Panaz back. And, of course, again, a lot of fantastic new bars have opened around the area. I mean, some of these bars are award-winning. Give us a few examples. Well, you're looking at um, Stockton's, um, the Quirny. That's where... um Stockton's is in Wyndham Street. Up
0: above the FCC. Yeah, uh,
4: just up the road. Yeah, exactly. We've got the Quernery, we've got the Pontiac, um, we've got Origin. Um, there's a new bar, by the way, opened in Lanquifon just this week called Employees Only. Um, that's one of the newest bars to open in the street. So, yeah, it's it's evolved, and um, hopefully it's going to get a lot better.
0: And what are the characteristics of the new bars compared to the old 97s and, and the old
4: stalwarts? Well, that's a great question. Um, I can tell you straight away what it is, quality. Um, when I was in Lankwe Fong in the early, late 90s and two thousand, yeah, we used to do generic bars, um, very generic designs. What I see now is... You know, they're called single single alcohol or single beverage bars. Um, gin, uh, they specialize in gin, specializing in whiskey, specializing in certain cocktails. But the, the standards of these new bars are just way up there. We've got molecular cocktails. We've got a whole generation of young people who just ride into doing cocktails. So I think, yeah, I mean, the drinks have improved. The bars have improved. Um, Yeah, it's been a real evolution of alcohol and how it's evolved.
0: Grant Baird. I'm Anna Fenton. Join me again next week when we relive the headline-grabbing news stories of the last two decades.